0: A Spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited.
1: Hello and welcome to Women with Balls, where I, Katie Balls, speak to today's trailblazers. There are decades where nothing happens, and there are weeks where decades happen.
0: On Friday, number 10 said that the Prime Minister knew no specifics about Chris Pincher's alleged behaviour when he made him Deputy Chief Whip. Today, number 10 said the Prime Minister was aware. We're just hearing that uh, Sajid Javid has resigned. I think Rishi Sunak has just resigned. I'm just getting this through. All day, it felt at times like every 10 minutes or so, Conservative MPs were sending letters saying the Prime Minister should go. And just take a look at the language chosen by the now former Justice Minister, Victoria Atkins, as she resigned. Values such as integrity, decency, respect, and professionalism should matter to us all. Being reported that there's a delegation of your cabinet colleagues waiting
1: in Downing Street to tell you when you finish it today that it's time for you to go.
0: Breaking news, Boris Johnson has sacked Michael Gave.
1: We understand that resignation statement is being prepared in number 10 as we speak, and we expect that the Prime Minister will deliver it today.
0: It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the brakes. On
1: today's episode of Women with Balls, we are going to hit the rewind button to the events led up to the mass resignations that mean a new Prime Minister, and what goes through your mind when you're one of those Ministers who ultimately decides to make the jump. My guest has served in government since Theresa May appointed her in 2017, as the Parliamentary Under Secretary of State for Crime, Safeguarding and Vulnerability. As a minister at the Home Office, she worked to deliver the landmark Domestic Abuse Act, brought in to the Minister for Afghan Resettlement, and the Minister for Prisons and Probation in September 2021. She spent much of her time being described as a rising star, but on the 6th of July, she resigned from Johnson's government. My guest today is Victoria Atkins. Victoria, thank you for joining us today. You've been on this podcast once before.
0: I have. I what's the old saying about Katie Balls on the way up and... Ball's on the way down. I don't know. Uh, we
1: actually, I hope not. We're not going for the way down at the moment, no. but if we have to, we'll add that in. No, we we have pointed out recently, I think, that many have come here before greatness. Oh, uh, yeah. Joan and Scanlon, I think, won a BAFTA after appearing on this podcast, and there's Trusses wrote promoted foreign secretary after, so that's just one to bear in mind. No pressure. <laughs> Ahead of the reshuffle <laughs> of, of the next Prime Minister. Uh, now, Victoria, I mentioned in the introduction how turbulent politics in Westminster has been recently and I wonder if you could just start with recent events. Now you of course resigned from Boris Johnson's government just a few weeks ago and I think for our listeners because so much has been going on it's easy to move past, I think, what was clearly a seismic 48 hours, which began, I think, with how Number Ten handled Chris Pincher and complaints against him. At the time, the Deputy Chief Whip, he had to step down for that role. Then the resignation of Sajid Javid, then Rishi Sunak. Then the next day, yours was one of several. So, where to begin? <laughs> I wondered, at what point this year did you start to really question your position?
0: As I said in my letter, I was very concerned at the handling of the Patterson events last year. You may recall that there was a report that the House had delivered, and on reading it, it seemed to be pretty clear-cut as to what was said to have been done. And we were put in the position of having to vote, basically vote the report down. And that was really difficult. And actually, that's where collective responsibility really shone through, because as ministers, you are bound by collective responsibility. You may privately disagree and have your discussions but you are ultimately bound by collective responsibility and so lots of us were concerned we voiced those concerns privately but nonetheless we absolutely honoured the fact that we had to abide by collective responsibility. Obviously then that started to unravel and then we went into Partygate, and that was an incredibly difficult time for everyone, I think, including actually Boris, because he was working under enormous pressure, everybody there was working under enormous pressure, of course they were, and yet these things seem to have been going on, and, and I think there was a real shift in, in the public mood as these allegations came to light more and more. And then we had Chris Pincher and the allegations about him come to light, and for me and for a lot of other colleagues, I think we were very concerned at how it was handled. And then on the Monday, our colleague, Will Quince, was sent out in the media round, which is something we all do, you know. And then the position changed after he was sent out. I actually had media that day as well, a bit pre-record. And so I was a little bit sensitive about that as well. And then on the Tuesday night, completely out of the blue, Saj resigned, Rishi resigned. And I think we all just started reflecting on our own positions there was absolutely no agreement conspiracy plot whatever you know to resign as a as a minister is a very lonely long path and we all felt that on the night before it happened.
1: And for those listeners who I suppose are less familiar of how the system works in terms of a morning round or doing media is it the case that I mean, downstairs often tell you the lines to take or give you a suggestion, and therefore through the series of incidents you just outlined, was it the trust in what you're being told as the case started to deteriorate?
0: Well, when you're sent out on a media run, it's generally because you've got a policy to announce. So, you know, in the course of all my ministerial appointments, I had really, really great policy announcements, such as the Domestic Abuse Act, and you go ready to talk about your policy, but of course, issues of the day are raised with you as well, because only journalists doing their job properly will ask you about other matters. So with the best one in the world, you cannot be... No, no single minister below the prime minister can be the expert on every single aspect of policy across government. We are specialists in our own areas. And so you rely on the briefings, for for example... you know For me, it would be, I don't know, trade policy or something like that. You get those briefings, you absolutely accept them in good faith. And, you know, the people who work at Number 10 are very bright, very capable people. What became more difficult with these situations is that it wasn't about policy. It became about who knew what, when, etc. And that's when it became pretty difficult, actually.
1: Now, you mentioned the point being when Sajid Javid and Rishi Sunak resign. So that is the eve before the Prime Minister's question so Boris Johnson was effectively battling through saying he was going to fight on but in the process just losing junior ministers by the hour perhaps even more than that so what was it like the night before was that the point when you started to think maybe I am going to go
0: you're right there was so much that happened in that 48 hours there was also of course Lord Macdonald's letter and he was a very senior civil servant I'd never heard of him I'd never met him I didn't you know, know him from Adam but he wrote this letter and then did an interview setting out his understanding of a particular situation and for any senior civil servant to do that that's quite unusual and so when after that we then had as I say the the ball began to roll I, I know for a fact that others were contemplating and thinking about it very very carefully that day but there was no as I say no coordination and in fact you can tell that from the I think from the sort of the timing and the range of people that sent their letters in but it, it was a very, very difficult Tuesday night because I was doing a job I love, a job I believe in. Yeah, you know, We were doing really great stuff, tackling violence against women and girls, that sort of thing. And so it's a big responsibility to say, actually, I, I need to step back from this.
1: Now... When it came to writing that resignation letter, I saw you organising your school run uh, while also drafting, is that correct?
0: You know, I've never thought through how how one goes about resigning. I've never resigned from anything in my life. And so the actual mechanics of it, you sort of do your best and hope that, first of all, you're dealing with people with respect and dignity and doing it properly and courteously. But I woke up on the, it must be the Wednesday morning and woke up quite early and I thought actually I'm I'm, I'm gonna do it and then I, so I started drafting it before the school run eight o'clock is when we have to leave the house and started drafting it and then got my 10 year old ready for school teeth brushed everything and then dashed off and did the school run and I, you know, I remember standing in a coffee shop on my way back thinking gosh this is a bit this is a bit odd you know I, I, here I am standing in this coffee shop I've got half a resignation letter ready and I've got to finish the rest when I get back home and then I did finish it and then of course in a very good episode of The Thick of It of course when I then came to printing it out the internet wasn't working the printer wasn't working anyway we got there <laughs>
1: Does that mean you're sending it to a machine that's just not putting yeah, it through? Yeah, exactly. It just wasn't. But it's your private printer. Yeah, my yeah, fear of would be it suddenly oh about to emerge and someone is going to like yeah. find the thing before I've actually said I'm doing it. Yeah,
0: and just in, in you know, absolutely personal iPad, etc. But it's just one of those lighter moments in what was actually pretty dark, pretty upsetting morning. But I got it, got it printed out, and then I thought, right, I want to let my secretary of state know and let the chief whip know. So I put phone calls through, I managed to speak to one of them, and then I sent it out. And it's, you know, that's a really... It's a really serious moment where you press send.
1: Because ultimately, the evening that Rishi Sudank and Sajid Javid resigned, it felt as though it was a big blow to Boris Johnson, but they quickly filled those roles. So you had Nadim Zahori being Chancellor, Michelle Donovan as Education Secretary, and all the briefings coming out of Number 10 was, look, we can fill the positions, we're going to keep going... This is a setback, but we can now actually have the economic plan we want. So in a way, from observing from Parliament, watching it, the death now was actually really just a continuous flow of resignations the next day of which you were one. So did you have people trying to say, don't do this, getting in touch or, or not so much?
0: No, again, I think for someone to make that decision, it's their decision, their decision alone. And look, I totally, totally respect colleagues who you know, made their decision to stay. I, I totally get that. But you couldn't possibly, and, and nobody tried, one couldn't put any pressure on another colleague to do anything because it is their decision. It's, it's their career, their livelihood, their conscience.
1: Now, I want to talk about the future of the Tory party, but just before we do get there... It's interesting, obviously, hearing the events, how there were so many distractions in the sense you no longer f- felt as though you could focus on your brief because the level of number 10 scandals that, that dominate even a positive news announcement. But I wondered if also some of the negative briefings from Downing Street played a factor because, certainly, in the case of Oliver Dowden, you would have a situation where various figures and we never quite know who the source behind anonymous quotes are were ultimately suggesting he might be sacked anyway as party chairman which then I think given he was the first regs of after the double by-election it probably made his decision a bit easier <laughs> had they not been there and certainly I think after the confidence vote in Boris Johnson your name sometimes appeared among some of your colleagues suggesting you hadn't been pro-Boris Johnson enough publicly how did that feel?
0: It felt pretty unfair, actually, because I have been entirely loyal to this administration and to, you know, since I've been elected since 2015, I am I am a loyalist. I'm a Conservative through and through, and I absolutely believed in Boris when he was selected as our leader, our Prime Minister, and then went on to win that amazing election victory and delivered Brexit, and then coped through COVID, that extraordinary period in time. And I was being sent out to talk on behalf of the government which I really appreciated and I took very very seriously and so it was a bit I mean it's it's part of sadly it seems to be part of politics but I'm not sure it's terribly good for general morale I, I wouldn't dream of speaking for others but I'm not sure it's terribly good for general morale I'll put it tactfully like that yeah and then
1: I suppose some people listening to this podcast might say well if it's really that bad why didn't you resign sooner? Why resign when, you know, already some people were already out there? I wonder, what what would you say to them about...
0: It genuinely was an escalation. And again, because we're all incredibly committed as ministers to our roles, you know, we work very, very hard in the background. People don't necessarily see it, but every minister will get their red box every evening. They get their weekend boxes. It's... Some days, my days were measured in 15-minute slots because I had so much racing around to do between commitments, meetings, parliamentary business and so on. So it's a real vocation, not just a job. I personally felt an enormous duty, not just to the government, but also to the people we're trying to help, you know, victims of crime, particularly rape victims. And we're doing some really, really positive work within the criminal justice system. So for me, I needed to be sure that it was the right thing to do, and it took time took time to get there
1: now i wanted looking back on this now we're speaking just after boris johnson's final prime minister's questions and the entire tory party sat in the commons chamber including yourself gave the prime Minister a standing ovation quite right so what do you think the problem was do you think boris johnson was dishonest or do you think he was let down by the people around him
0: Gosh, I don't know. I, I suspect uh, political historians will be studying this in years to come. I just, I think he'd done such an amazing job for us, both with the 2019 election and with Brexit and with the pandemic. But if you look at any prime ministerial career, they come to an end and it's usually not of a time or of a process of their choosing. And so I think that was the case here as well. And just just uh,
1: two final ones, Boris, and I want to talk about the future of the party, which is just one which is... We spoke about this on your last podcast with us, which is a few years ago now, because you're once in the news for your own conversation with Boris Johnson, where you took him to task. Or maybe that's, you can tell me if I'm phrasing it wrong, but he claimed in an interview that he would that money spent investigating historic cases of child sex abuse is being spaffed off the wall. And I just wondered, do you think the Prime Minister learnt from that experience?
0: So I've never confirmed that. You're being very, very cunning, if I may say so. But um, Reports at
1: the time. <laughs>
0: reports at the time. Look, what I can say is I genuinely was really blown away by his absolute commitment to helping victims of sexual abuse when he was Prime Minister. So the rape review, the work that we did through that, he, he absolutely... Gave that his 100% personal commitment, and was regularly being briefed on what we're up to, and you know he really, really did. So I, I'm not. So you gonna, think he does take those issues ser- seriously. Oh, I completely, yeah, yeah. I really do, I genuinely yeah. do, and I think, as I say, I'm, I'm neither confirming nor denying, but his record over the last couple of years, I think, actually stands alone and speaks for itself.
1: Sure, and then. We're going to talk about the future leader, but just at a time when obviously the candidates are being whittled down, there has been some backlash from certain members in the Tory grassroots. And I think some voters who probably don't follow politics that closely and are just wondering why the Prime Minister is no longer going to be Prime Minister. And I just wonder what you might say to them when we are starting to see a bit of a movement to say you know, should it be right that MPs can oust a leader? Do you understand why there might be some upset in the country?
0: I do, but then I remind myself that we live in a parliamentary democracy, so we do not live in a presidential system. Uh, The Conservative Party, led by Boris, and I don't take that away, you know, at all, but the Conservative Party won the last election, and the leader of the day, any prime minister of the day, if, if one takes, if we take a step out of... 2022 and just think about it in the round the prime minister of the day has to have the confidence of their parliamentary party and i think the events of 2 weeks ago with ministers resigning and so on that showed sadly that the time had moved on
1: now we are talking during a leadership contest <laughs> and it's been a bruising period so before we get to the candidates what do you think the tory party has to do now in order to deliver on its promises but also potentially win a fifth term which no party has done
0: well first of all i think it's amazing that we had such a diverse list of candidates you know from all across the board at the very beginning there was i think 11 candidates they just they represent our country in the 21st century i'm so proud of our party for doing that and you know we're now at the stage we're just ahead of the announcement so we'll find out the final two but we will have The final three candidates, two are women and Rishi. So whatever the final two looks like, and obviously I hope Rishi is in there, but it's going to be an incredibly, I think, incredibly modern offering to the country, something that Labour has never, ever got within sniffing distance of achieving. And I think that it does show that we're just very open to moving with society. If we don't move with society, we will lose as an electoral party and so I genuinely think that the ideas we've heard are really exciting
1: and you're backing Rishi Sunak, Mm. do you worry in a sense that there is, it does seem to be a block you think Rishi Sunak's responsible for bringing Boris Johnson, we hear it We hear it from certain people who've served under Boris Johnson, we hear it in anonymous briefings. Do you think Rishi Sunak can really unite the Tory party?
0: Yeah, I do. And I I hope, look, we're in a very... It's it's the white heat of an election, a leadership election at the moment, And, and so there will be conversations, briefings and so on. But if, as I hope, Rishi's in the final two, and if, as I hope, he secures the leadership then we will settle down and things will fall into place. And, and whoever wins, I am absolutely determined to support them. You know, it's an extraordinary thing to put yourself forward for this role. Just if you look at some of the scrutiny some of the candidates have had. And by the way, we've got an amazing three candidates left by them. But, you know, some of the scrutiny, stroke, criticisms they've had, you know, they're really being put through their paces. And so it is on each and every one of us as members of the party to get behind the new leader in September and really help them make it work.
1: So I think you've probably already answered this, but that means, I mean, we're speaking when it's Liz Truss, Penny Morden, Rishi Sunak, but if any of those three were to become prime minister you will be happy to fully back them serve absolutely. if asked yeah i'd
0: be absolutely delighted because i think they're both look they've got different strengths and i believe very firmly in rishi but look others my friends my colleagues believe in the other two candidates well as well and i would fully respect and support them if that emerges
1: and just on your brief so you're no longer in this role but you were role as uh, Minister for Afghan Resettlement and I just wondered is an, it's obviously one of those things there's lots of media focus at the time lots pleased you know let more people in and so forth do you think that, that there should be more attention to it now it feels it's almost dropped off I suppose the public's gaze a bit but from your experience of dealing with actually the technicalities of you know housing these people who come here I just wonder if you felt like there should be more focus now or, or if there is kind of still the same level of enthusiasm amongst the public as there was at the time
0: well crikey if you think of the last year we've moved from the pandemic to Afghanistan and then to Ukraine and so at each and every turn the public has shown their resilience but also their enthusiasm to help but inevitably, if, if you have that sort of, if you like, that train of events running down the train tracks, then the media and others' focus will move away to what's happening at the moment. The Afghanistan world, it was an extraordinary public and human rights exercise to evacuate something like 15,000 people to every single one of them who landed in the UK that night they were given a home, they they were given a bed, they were given food, they were were absolutely looked after, which just the logistics of moving that many people at once over a two-week period, the logistics of that was quite something to behold. And then from then, we have, by the time I gave the roll-up in January, we had housed something like 6,000 people over six months. That's the highest resettlement rate of any program we've ever had but it's really tricky because you know we're not only talking about bricks and mortar it's the supply of the homes but also of course getting children into school making sure that adults can speak english as well as they possibly can trying to help them with jobs trying to help them with access to healthcare, and so on and also the trauma of having been through what they had been through so it was a fascinating job To do and it will continue to this day. But then Ukraine came up, and and clearly we all wanted to help with that. And and that has taken some of the media attention, which I can understand.
1: Now, the final two questions I want to ask you, and you know, see how this goes. But I wondered if if you'll say, I suppose, one thing you think perhaps you've learned from Boris Johnson's premiership, or whether it's from the man himself or just you know, from the past few years, and then one thing you hope the next leader might do differently.
0: (laughs) So with Boris, the fact that with Boris, an awful lot of people, when they think of Boris, a smile comes to their lips. And I think he brings such a, a joie de vivre, if you like, to political life. He has his own way of communicating that clearly reaches people. And he has an extraordinary resilience, if you think about it, with the work that he's gone through the co- during COVID, being so terribly ill with himself and so on. I think that, for me, has been a real sort of pleasure to watch. And I very much hope that we will be able to continue that as a political party moving forward with the new leader. With the new leader, I think we, we need to remind ourselves of the difference between campaigning and governing. We were very good at campaigning, but that is a different skill from governing. And I very much hope that the next PM will have that uppermost in their mind. Not least because we can't, you know, in this 24-7 news channel real twitter and so on we can't react to every headline we just can't we've got to have our sort of fundamental values and strategies and principles running through the government and that is what we've got to stick to as part of our governing of the country it's an extraordinary privilege to be able to do that
1: and you've actually taken boris johnson at pmq saying twitter should not be the main focus but you you've taken that approach quite literally (laughs) it? You're, you're still not on
0: I came off it I, I came off it in, I can't remember 2016 something like that I, I haven't missed it for the moment I loved it and I found out the other day somebody told me I'm the first person to have resigned on Instagram I mean who knew there we go
1: much more glamorous yeah <laughs> <laughs> did you put a filter on it or
0: no, no we had to we couldn't fit it on the photo so we cut off the the lovely letterhead at the top and anyway so it wasn't visually as perfect as I would like but you know you've got to do it you've got to well, get it congratulations
1: on making history uh, <laughs> yeah. thank you Victoria for joining us today
0: thanks so much I've loved it
1: and with that we're now going to be taking a short summer break for the women with balls podcast but we'll be back in the autumn with new guests and new episodes and in the meantime, do check out www.spectator.co.uk forward slash balls for our archives, which have a range of guests in case you have listened to all the episodes yet. Yeah. From Dame Jane Collins to Tory rising star Kemi Badenoch.